for the first time, I feel wicked. Ooh, well, maybe not for the first time. Definitely not for the first because time. Because as we were like, all right, we're going to promote this episode today. And we're going to tell all of our listeners about all the different witches of Oz that we've had on the pod. And the list is endless. So it's not the first time. It's not the first time, but we've spaced them all out. So you always get a different perspective when the time is right to celebrate the return of Wicked coming back to Broadway. Wicked returning on tour. We are having one of the most legendary alphabas, Julia Murney, on the pod this week. And let me tell you, we have been pursuing this queen for so long. Y'all have asked and she has agreed to come on the pod. And if you love us and Julia and the podcast, consider supporting us. It's a $5 monthly donation, but the return is incredible. You get access to our merchandise, which we still have a few summer of drama tumblers <laughs> to get rid of. Um, you get access to our close friends. You get to be, you know, one of the premier listeners of the podcast. We love you. And we hope that you love this episode with yes. Julia, Julia Murney. Murney. Press play, curtain of an hour in, it's time to take spin, the shade and tea to spill, ooh, the drama, oh, that's a tweet, did they book, who got nom, they option no, oh, I'm not well, what, what star will we talk to today? today, oh, that's a gag, honey, say no more, drama, drama, welcome to drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love and life in, in new, new york, york city, city and, and the, the world. world i'm connor mcdowell and i'm dylan mcdowell you know connor we haven't recorded from new york city for a year now i was just thinking about oh my god Kara Lindsay last july the swan song to our apartment and that was drama not her home. but being emotional in that apartment i know but you know soon you'll be recording from new york again ah! Oh my god. This is this is a reveal. This is the New York part of our introduction to the podcast will actually be true once more. I'm right. I'm so excited, but I'm sad you're not coming with me. I know. I'll get there eventually. It's it's your turn. <gasps> Connor's turn. Whoa. I know. I've never done New York with alone, you know, without you there. Yeah. This is gonna be exciting. I know. I'm so thrilled. I can't believe it. And it's obviously because Broadway's coming back. You're gainfully employed, as they say. At long last. Although, you know, on the record, but off the record, who really actually wants to work? <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I don't know if you can say that. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm like happy to do it, of course, because it's fun and um, allows me to build a future for myself. Imagine that. Right. Do you think you'll record with any guests in New York and I'll be like piped in remotely? If we could figure out the tech to do that, I'd love that. That'd be well, so we fun. Should, we should have you come visit and we can like marathon podcast over the weekend sometime. Yes. In person. That would be legit because I do miss the in-person experience. Me too. Me too. But I do love being welcomed into our guest's home like our guest today has. You're right. There is a little added intimacy there that's so there personal and comfortable. Yeah. You know what? We're already having so much fun with our guests. I think we need to bring her in. Dylan, it's been, it's, this has been years in the making. Years in the making, literally. Our guest today was a blonde, having burst onto the theater scene in the off-Broadway cult status musical, The Wild Party, starring as Queenie herself. Her time in the Andrew Lippa musical garnered her a Drama Desk nomination. She then became one of the most in-demand theater stars before even appearing on Broadway, lending her talent to the Actors Fund benefit circuit in Funny Girl, Chess, Hair, and much more. She made her anticipated Broadway debut in the short-lived and beloved musical, Lennon, followed up by touring the country as Elphaba in Wicked before playing the Green Girl at the Gershwin on Broadway. She's also appeared in The Vagina Monologues, A Class Act, First Lady Suite, Saved, Crimes of the Heart, and Time and Again, for which she received a Lucia Lortel nomination, and Falling, for which she also received a Drama Desk nomination. You may recognize her from Succession, 30 Rock, Sex in the City, NYPD Blue, Ed, all three Law & Order series, and so much more, including Big Time Adolescence with Pete Davidson, My Crush, and John Cryer. Her solo album, I'm Not Waiting, is available on iTunes. And of course, you'll recall her appearance last year in the gag of an alphabet reunion defying gravity montage. Hold down your wig and please welcome to drama, Julia, Julia Murray. Oh, hairpin that wig down, y'all. You know it. I'm not waiting anymore. You're not waiting. No one's waiting. <laughs> 
Uh, it's hey, Julia. It's just not happening. Well, because the moment we've waited for has arrived. So thank you so much for having me. Bye, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Julia, I'm so excited. I, you know, for our listeners, we were supposed to do this a year ago. And then you, I remember the email you sent. It was so cute. You said something like, hey, I know we're supposed to record, but I have an opportunity to sit and stare at a body of water for a little bit. So let's just let's postpone this and then we kind of got lost in the shuffle but the moment wasn't right until this one right now that's right where i'm staring at a corner chair which is (laughs) just like a body of water only different exactly how are you julia are you well you know i'm I'm, i am well frankly look i could i could find lots of things to say i'm not particularly well about but the truth Mm. of the matter is in the scope of the things i am well yeah, I touch wood. This might be fake wood, but I'm touching it anyway. <laughs> um, and like, I am physically well. My family is physically well. Um, yeah, I mean, I am filled with questions about like yeah. what's going to happen. I know because I don't know. That's ASR. ASR is that what it's called? ASMR. ASMR. I knew it. BDSM. Nope, that's not it. Um, <laughs> Wrong acronym. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. I know. I've got similar questions. I wonder if, you know, as as it was announced, New York is going to have mandates for vaccinations to go into gyms and restaurants and for Broadway. I, I wonder and hope that this will sustain every industry for the, the coming exposure to the variant. You know? I mean, I sure hope it does. I, I think it's the right move. I mean, 100%. And it is remarkable to me. Look, the last, let's say, five years have been remarkable to me. The amount of people who have chosen to push their chips into the middle of the table all in, because once you start saying, I think I like that person and what they have to say. And when you realize, if you start to think for a second, that maybe what they have to say is demonic mm-hmm. and dangerous, you either have to have the guts and the, the proper amount of ego to say, I take it back. I was right. wrong. Let me rethink this. Or you have to go all in. And die on that hill. I mean, the fact that people would quite literally die on the hill of vaccination, of non-vaccination rather, mm-hmm. is... Um, to put it kindly, fascinating to me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is a respectful way to put it, yes. I'm trying to respect it. I sort of view you as like a Broadway socialite now because you oh, are at all the course. opening nights and all these different things. You were at Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, right? No. No, okay. For some reason, I thought I saw you there, but Good I was going to say- God, I wish I was that much of a socialite. Because <laughs> that's I, the only way I could afford to see Bruce right? Springsteen, y'all, is by being invited to <laughs> Trust. But I, I, for some reason, I thought you were there, but I remember there was this press about how there were like protesters out front. Yeah, I saw that. With all these insane signs. Maybe you commented on it on social media and that's, Maybe. Why, I, that's Maybe. why I thought, but it's just, come on. I will also say, I think that social media, while having all kinds of wonderful attributes in terms of like, I'm not on Facebook. I've never been on Facebook. Wow. But I understand that Facebook is one of those things that serves for people to like, get back in touch with people they never thought they'd speak to again in a beautiful way. Sure. I know that I was once doing a concert, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, because they too want to hear Defying Gravity with a symphony. And yes, um, yes. <laughs> and they had us in this lovely hotel and there was a rooftop, well, not rooftop, but like top floor bar restaurant that had a pool in the middle of it. And, and we sat up there one afternoon and this huge storm came rolling in. And I took some pictures because as the sky got darker and darker and, and I put them on Instagram and someone commented on it and he was like, are you at the, I don't remember. Yeah. It wasn't the intercontinental, but whatever it was, he was like, are you at the, and named the hotel that I was at now it's Instagram. So as long as they're not private, which he wasn't, I was like, I'm no fool. I'm going to Nancy drew this before we get in on it. And I went and looked at him and I was like, oh, this is a gay man from San Francisco. I can tell that because he, from his posts and he's traveling. Okay. And so I wrote him back. I was like, I am. He goes, that's so crazy. We're downstairs. We're at the, and I went, well, come up. 
And he came up and we became friends and they had, I was going to Bali after the concert was over. They had just come from Bali. They told me places to go. We called it the Twitter miracle, yes. even though it was Instagram yeah. because we were like, that wouldn't have happened. That yeah. is so cute. It was awesome. And that's great. But the other side, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had to really wean down off of Twitter yeah. because I find that I scroll and within 20 seconds, I'm like, toxic. No. Yes. It's it's so rough. Agreed. And I was really into Twitter for, for a while. You're very good at it. Oh, thank you. I enjoy, like, even when they went from, what was it, 140 characters to... 280. 280. I was a little bit like, no. Mm-hmm. Because I love the part where they really have to think about, this is also when they did that, threads weren't a thing yet. Right. Oh, true. So you really had to construct oh, yeah. what you were saying. I remember a quote from when I was in junior high, like my English teacher would write a different quote or poem on the board and we had to learn it every week or something. And one of them, I don't remember who said it, but one of them was, um, I have made this letter longer than usual because I lack the time to make it short. Mm. Deep, right? Because yeah. you can just ramble and then eventually get to your point or think about what is the way in which you want to, and the 140 characters was, re- I mean, even 280 is, can be tough, but 140, I was fascinated by the, um, the brain power that that took. Yes. Oh, definitely. And, and now, of course, I'm completely used to 280, uh-huh. and there are threads <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But once the election and, and the insurrection, yeah. remember that? Uh, not everybody does. <laughs> not everybody does, but are you watching The Good Fight on Paramount Plus? I am not. Oh, my God. Well, they're doing... The storyline involves the insurrection. So they're keeping it alive in my brain Mm. weekly. And they're really focusing on the important impact that it had and that a lot of people just kind of moved on. And the writers are so smart. They're so good. I I just don't have Paramount Plus. I've looked all the other ones, it seems. um, (laughs) I know. I sold my soul to Audra and Christine. So I just really. That as well one should, (laughs) frankly. Where else are you going to sell that soul? Right. Oh, but you were Um, saying so. After the election and the insurrection and your relationship to Twitter. That's when I started going, you know what? Let me, I I like stopped watching Mm -hmm. news all of the time. And I was like, I can't, this is, this is sucking my soul dry. I love Instagram because I love pictures. I love pictures of places. I love pictures of dogs. I love um, to see where my friends are. I, I certainly follow a few like travel photographers and stuff that I don't know. I also follow a few <laughs> right, dogs that I do not know. That's so wholesome. I'm lucky on Instagram. Like I don't have a ton of trolls who come after me. Now, are these trolls the Wicked fans? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the thing about, yeah. no. I mean, I, I will say uh, to, to, catch, to catch a Wicked fan trolling is 95% of the time by accident Mm. or they tag you like a moron and you're like great thank Mm -hmm. you i didn't need to see that right i don't i don't need to know about your opinion as to who the best alphabet was because guess what you're correct and so is that guy Mm -hmm. for whoever his favorite alphabet was yep everybody's right yep but for my own sense of sanity frankly everybody's right and also i have to operate under there's room for everyone Yes. I mean, I understand when I did it, it was 1918 and there were five of us. Right. It was a very small group (laughs) at the, and now any lovely woman could walk up to me on the street and be like, I was Alphaba. I'd be like, oh my gosh, hello, green girl. Like, I don't know. There were, when we did that 15th anniversary thing on, on television, there Mm -hmm. were some of the women there. I had no idea. It's like, wow, you're interesting. How wonderful. I loved seeing you on that. It's it's interesting too, because when I think about, because Connor and I were deep in the Wicked fandom back when we were, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was sort of a, a, we'll talk about it eventually, but Ring of Keys, it was very much like a, an introduction to us into the theater world. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of the women who played Alphaba, yourself included, Eden, Shoshana, would talk about the Green Girl Sisterhood. Yeah. I think I said that first. Thank you very you much. You did? That was mine. That was you mine. You coined it. Mm-hmm. You coined it. <laughs> and now it's living in yes. perpetuity on this podcast forever, if you haven't ever said it before, because that is an iconic name. It's a real thing, though. It really is a real thing. And, and honestly, if that random woman walked up to me on the street and said, 
I was Elphaba and she wasn't insane and lying. If she actually was, (laughs) I would be like, come here. Like if any, I had one of them, one of the later Elphabas once we did a reading together and she said to me, I've heard you're a really good person to talk to about the experience. Oh. Or she's like, I just, because there's a lot that comes with it. And there's not a lot of people you can talk to about it because it's so strange. And I was like, I'll be that. I'm happy Mm -hmm. to be that. I've certainly had them before they've gone in, women that I've worked with, or I had one of them sitting next to me at a concert once, like we were just rehearsing, we were singing in the concert. And she turned to me and she was like, they just asked me to do Wicked. Do I want to do Wicked? And we had this whole conversation about it. And, (laughs) you know, and I, and she did. And, you know, was fantastic. And yeah, the Green Girl Sisterhood is, is a, it's a thing. That's really interesting that you're saying, you know, because you were playing Alpha by in what, like 2005 or six? Uh, six, seven. Six, seven. Mm-hmm. So you're right. The show had only been out for a couple of years. There was the Broadway production. There was the tour and maybe Chicago nope. at that point. Uh, uh, yes. Pardon me. Yes. Starting there w- to. There was Chicago. That's like three or four full-time principal alphabas and then the understudies. There had only been at that point on Broadway. Can I get this right? Probably not. Someone's going to write in and be like, you have the order wrong. I'm like, Uh great. Good for Uh you. Um, Adina, Shoshana, Eden. Here's the one everyone forgets. Anna Gasteyer. Because she had done Chicago for a year. And then she came into uh, Broadway for like a month and a half. Like very, very fast. And then me and Stephanie on the tour. Okay. So like I replaced Stephanie on tour. Stephanie then subsequently replaced me on Broadway and oh, that's Shoshana fine. replaced me on tour. And so like the, the shell game was, oh. was bippity bopping around a lot back then. So was Kendra still doing the tour at that point? No, Kendra uh, and I were together the whole time. We left, oh, I love that. we left tour together. Did we leave Broadway together too? I know that we saw Kendra on Broadway with Carrie Ellis. This was 2008. Or nine. Eight or nine. Are you sure? Are you positive? Pos- positive. That we saw them together? Mm-hmm. That you saw Kendra? Yeah. Okay, positive, then, she, we... then she popped back in. Popped back in? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think so. Because didn't Annalie Ashford jump in with Stephanie? Oh, Annalie Ashford was a Glinda understudy on the tour with me and then ended up beep, bop, 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 and going up. <laughs> and Superstar. Yeah. So, oh, my God. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, shell game going on. So there were a couple people to compare. So of course, back then, I'm sure on the chat rooms or wherever, you know, at the stage door, people were like, I saw this one do this and oh. you did this and they changed this vocal line. And- 100%. After Eden, you're my favorite. Oh. Someone said that to me. And no, I was like, no, no. okay, oh. me too. Like, what am I supposed to say after right. that guy? You're my favorite. Like, again, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, she's everything. You're allowed to have and your a opinion. bag of chips <laughs> is what Eden is. All of the things. But you're kind of like, I think you think that's a compliment. And it is. It's just strange because I don't have a proper answer for it. Yes. I'm not, I, I'm, I had to work really hard to choose not to be insulted because mm-hmm. generally, unless they're real ballsy, they're not going to insult you to your face. They're going to do that on an anonymous chat board because courage and bravery Mm -hmm. um i wonder if that's where like poor stage door etiquette was born was like all that chat and broadway world because i wonder if you know before the internet if people would would say these things because i remember reading chat boards as a teenager and seeing like people gossiping about the spring awakening cast and then they'd say yeah and i asked Alexandra Sosha at the stage door about her prom. And it's like, why would you do that to someone? That's like their personal life. Because the the fandom, which is, I think if you ask like soap opera stars, not only is someone in your living room through your TV screen, mm-hmm. but on soap operas, they're there every day, five days a week. Yeah. So people who maybe aren't all together or maybe just are lonely or whatever, or, or just like the show. I don't even mean to put like a negative spin on it. Sure, but, sure, sure. But they, you feel like you know them. You don't. Right. You know Dr. Noah Drake. You guys don't know who Dr. Noah Drake was. <laughs> but Dr. Dr. Noah Drake was played by um, Rick Springfield on General Hospital. Okay. Rick Springfield. Do you know who Rick Springfield is? I don't. 
Uh, goodbye. Is he hot? <laughs> Her, this podcast is over. First of all, he's so hot. Second of all, do you know the song Jesse's Girl? Yeah. You know, I wish that's Rick Springfield, bitches. Oh, love it. He's, he's done lots of. Um, yes, he has. He's, he's amazing. And I heart him. Oh, my and God. He, he played Dr. Noah Drake on General Hospital in the 80s. Is, is that show still on? General Hospital? Yeah. Mm, that was what George yes. Clooney was on, right? No, that was ER, Dylan. He no, was that was ER. Okay. That was a nighttime Okay, show. okay, okay. My touch point for soaps is on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They've had a lot of soap stars on. So I know like Eileen Davidson, Young and the Restless. Lisa Rinna, Denise Richards, who's now a soap star. Is she? Oh, she's a movie star to me. But anyway. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah. so, uh, but in the same way there, I don't recall as a kid, stage dooring being a thing. I'm sure that it existed, but I wasn't, I wasn't like a, an obsessed theater kid. Mm. I liked theater. I grew up in New York City. I saw lots of Broadway shows, original cast of Broadway shows that now people would be like, oh, you saw that? <laughs> and like, I saw it because like my mom and I went to TKTS at 7.30 and we're like, what's on the board? Mm -hmm. What's that? Sunday in the park with George? Okay. <laughs> Like that, literally that happened. Um, You're kidding. What did you think when, as a kid seeing it? Uh, it lost us. It lost us yeah. in act two. That chroma loom started and we were like, <laughs> what's happening? And then I got the wait for it cassette tape mm -hmm. of the cast album and, and like learned it and played it and played it. And I remember calling my mom and saying, that show that we saw is amazing. <laughs> it's just the lyrics are so dense. Mm -hmm. And I was like, don't know what my mom's excuse is, but I, I was a, I don't know how old I was. I was a teenager. But once I learned it, I was like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. But watching it, yeah, we were like, well, okay, <laughs> you're good. I love the idea of you being a teen with New York, you know, with the theater district at your fingertips, being able to just pop in on whatever's at TKTS. Whereas when we were teens, we would be spent, we would go every summer with our family. And so we would know based on the Tonys the year before what we thought looked good and we hoped it would still be running by the time we went the next summer. What was the first so, thing you saw? Do you remember? The first Broadway show we ever saw. Beauty and the Beast, because it was closing at the end of that summer. Mm -hmm. But then other than that, Rent was also closing. So we were like, every summer we were like, what's going to close that we need to see before it goes, right, Dylan? Oh, Isn't sure. that oh, yeah. how it went? Like, gotta oh. catch it. Oh, yeah. yeah but Beauty Definitely. and the Beast, Rent, Hairspray. Hairspray. Mm. Oh, yeah. Love. All would the good ones. Would you only see one show? We would see, like, as years go went on, we would add a few more because our parents got super into it, too. Well, and oh, then we figured nice. out, like, doing the Rush Line doing the lottery, doing, I remember we won the lottery to In the Heights. Mm -hmm. We all won. We were like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Cause we had seen it on the Tonys the summer before and we were obsessed. But so it's, I love this idea of you being a teen going in cold to Sunday in the park with George and then getting the cassette and letting it sit with you. And you being like, um, mom, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real, real good. It's real, real good. He knows what he's doing, ma. What was your first Broadway show? You know, I'm not sure because uh, my dad's an actor right. and he he was in the original cast of Mac and Mabel mm -hmm. on Broadway and he doesn't really sing or dance, but there it is. <laughs> and uh, I was very little. I am quite sure that I did not sit through like an actual production of it, uh, like an actual run. I may have seen, I know that the only time I recall anyway, meeting Bernadette was meeting her backstage and she has this big flat curly wig in Mac and yeah. Mabel. So to my brain, she had black hair. Oh, wow. That's what I thought. But I mean, there are shows that I recall, I absolutely recall seeing my, I had to have been, I'm not sure how, I'd have to look at the year. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad's best friend, his oldest friend, Sam, was Maximilian in the big Candide revival that Hal Prince directed. Oh, yes. At the Broadway theater. Is that where it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, and I remember, the only thing I remember was that they had um, these sort of uh, decks that came out into the audience. Mm -hmm. So it was, it wasn't entirely immersive, but they were able to. They sort of gutted the you. theater to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I went to see it. I don't remember. I saw it alone is oh. my point. Somehow I was brought to the theater and I saw it alone. And after the show was done, Sam is backstage waiting for me. He knows I'm there. Yeah. And he was probably taking me home after the show and I'm not there and I'm not there. And he's starting to panic. And you understand this is before cell phones oh, yeah. This is before being able to contact anyone with ease. And he goes and he finds the uh, house manager and he's like, have you seen a little girl? Have you seen a little girl? And she's like, Oh, I don't know. So they go into the house and the ghost light is already up. It's empty. 
I didn't know where to go. So I just stayed in my seat like a good little Capricorn girl. And I was like, someone will come and get me at some point. Mm -hmm. And so Sam walks in and it's just the ghost light and me in my like lacy gunny sacks dress, just sitting there. I don't recall being panicked or like, wait, what's that light? Now no one's here. What, what mm -hmm. will happen? But he tells that story. So that could have been my first one. Wow. It could have been Candide. That's so cute. I mean, but I saw like I saw Stephanie Mills in The Wiz. Oh I God. saw Annie because that was like a law. You had to stand right, 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 you right. were a little girl in the 70s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know what my first one was, actually. Sort of on that topic, because obviously you grew up in New York City and everything, but we like to talk about the Ring of Keys moment, which is obviously we've um, MacGyvered it from Fun Home and used it as a way of instead of like seeing a romantic love for the first time, it's seeing that love of the arts for the first time. Do you feel like you have a Ring of Keys moment where your eyes were opened? I don't know if I have a like first time kind of moment. Mm -hmm. um, two things pop into my brain in terms of in, indelibility. Sure. That's probably not a word, no, you yeah, guys. We'll that's a it. word. Okay. All right. That's a word now mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that are indelible, moments that are indelible. And one of them, I would say, is from my teens. Uh, so back in the day, you could second act a show. Yes. You weren't supposed to, let me be clear. <laughs> but like you kind of could if, if you just did it right the show that I was obsessed with was Dreamgirls. Mm. And so I saw the whole show, I think once. I saw the second act <laughs> several times. And my friends that I would go with, they, I, I was always very nervous. I was always sure we were gonna like get arrested mm -hmm. by the theater police. And, um, <laughs> and sometimes it's scary enough, you know, when you're not feeling bold anyway, when an usher is like, do you have a ticket? Mm -hmm. You're like, <gasps> And you catch fire. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, but I saw, I saw the second act of that show more than a handful of times. And the thing that I remember from that was not Jennifer Holiday, although, yes, of course, mm -hmm. obviously, I remember Jennifer Holiday. It was Loretta Devine. Mm. I knew you were going to say that. It was Loretta Devine singing Ain't No Party. Mm -hmm. Because uh, although Effie, Jennifer Hudson, uh, Hudson. Nope. Holiday. <laughs> they both, uh, two the two Jennifers yes, is a confusing. It is. And they both have the H last I name. Know. It's not anyone's fault. Yeah. I just want to be clear. Uh, <laughs> yes, she has, I am changing in act two, mm -hmm. but like the biggie, the one y'all, well, you weren't born. How dare you? Oh, <laughs> I feel feelings. Uh, the one you would have seen on the Tonys if you were older people. Mm -hmm. um, and I assume you've seen it since. since. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Like the biggies in act one. But when Loretta Devine, because that character, you know, isn't the big, isn't the big beautiful one, mm -hmm. isn't Dina, and isn't the big singer one, which is Effie. But she's so lovable and she's so put upon by Jimmy. And I don't know how well you know. Oh, yeah, her, we but, know. Well. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. And, but when she would say, it's been seven years and it don't take a smarty to realize that even though my man throws confetti in my face, still don't make it no party. Mm. This ain't no party. And to watch like businessmen and their white businessmen and their wives suddenly get church in them because she was so powerful when she did it. I remember that. Mm. I remember that very clearly. Oof, I and She's such an empathetic performer too. Oh, she's just, I just love her. I've never had the chance to meet her. And, and if I did, I probably would be like, yeah, yeah. You know, moron. But um, that sticks out in my head as just something like, look what you can mm -hmm. do, that that one just spoke to me. And the other one that I have to say sticks out is right after I graduated from high school. So this will just age me because there's no way to not age me was the centennial celebration of I believe it was the centennial celebration of the Statue of Liberty being brought over in full. Initially, just her torch was brought over. And it's fun fact, it sat in Madison Square Park for a while until they raised the money. Just the torch. You can, there are photographs of the wow. torch with the hand. Giant, obviously. 
it's also a plot point in the musical Time and Again, which I did at Manhattan Theater Club, and people pretend never existed. By Jack Vertel, right? Yes, but yeah. it did exist. Mm -hmm. And Laura Benanti and I heard it prove it because yes. we were in it together. I worked uh, at 54 Below for three years, and that was one oh, of the posters right next to Is that to the... why you're familiar? Yes, we probably Okay, met there. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm a moron. No, 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 you're uh, fine. I don't know if we ever formally met. No, but I saw it. I definitely saw it. Was... But yes, that poster is upstairs. It's one of the only. It was right like... next to where you'd walk yeah, in. Yeah, it's one mm -hmm. of the. And I'd always be like, it's them. You're like, what is that? What is that weird <laughs> show? Well, it was a real show. Anyway, the centennial uh, celebration of the Statue of Liberty. And they did a huge concert at what was then Giant Stadium for the 4th of July. And okay. it was like Gene Kelly and a bunch of dancers. And it was um, uh, Shirley MacLaine, I think, was involved in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and my high school gospel choir sang, were, were asked, along with like, probably five other gospel choirs to be this massive backup gospel choir for Billy Preston and Patti LaBelle. Mm. And it was amazing. And her hair was definitely shaped like the crown of the Statue of Liberty because that's how we rolled in 1986. <laughs> yep, it is amazing. This is on, uh, that song is on YouTube somewhere. Okay. I know it is. I mean, you can't see me, like it's the huge choir. No one can see. But we also got to watch the rest of the show. And everybody had like dancers or backup choirs or whatever, except for one performer who did her entire number on a big star in the center of the football field alone. It was Liza goddamn Manelli. Oh my God. At like her like pre-cocaine crash height. Yes. And okay. um, red jumpsuit. Of course. And she sang New York, New York with some modulations. She was mesmerizing mm. and not just to me i mean this entire stadium of humans were just and there were things under the seats uh for the audience of like um flashlights that for uh uh shots from the goodyear blimp where at one point we were told okay put up your lights and then it makes like the american flag or something oh that's you know, cool. it was like one of those overhead shots yeah Sure. But completely unbidden, without anyone asking, the whole stadium started like waving its arms, holding the flashlights. So there was an overhead shot and you just saw American flag, American flag, American flag. And <laughs> she was, she was power personified. It was, I, I don't, I don't quite know like the right adjectives to explain what it was like to see her live. I've seen her live since, but that was the first time I'd ever and I've met her a few times, but she would never know who I was. Sure. Um, but uh, that's another one of those moments wow. that I was like, oh, wow, you can move people to some other plane of feeling. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Wow. And, and had you known at that point that you were going to be pursuing the arts? Mm, I mean, at that point, when I saw Liza, I was a I was going to go start college and get a BFA to Syracuse, mm -hmm, right? and get a BFA okay. in musical theater. So I guess so, but I was, this is terrible. I was never really the most passionate. Oh no. Sure. Wait, I was never really the most confident. Mm. I was never the one who was like, I'm getting to Broadway bitches. Like, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe if Lee Miz calls me, I'll be able to understudy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just didn't. However, my persona may have been, that's what I was really feeling was, uh, wow. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. So, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I was pursuing that. Sometimes I wonder mm -hmm. if my family had been in, I don't know, pharmacology, that I would have just sure. been like, well, I guess I could be a pharmacologist. Mm -hmm. it, I, I kind of was a little bit like, I guess I'll be an actor. Sure. Because I wasn't like hyper smart with, with others. Nothing else had grabbed me. Okay. And I started singing in junior high choir and Josephine Morris, Miss Morris changed my life and not just made me start to have a love of music and singing. And that snowballed into, then I got kind of forced by my parents, thank goodness, to go to a theater camp for two years. And I was like, I don't want to go. I was a total baby about it. It totally changed my life. Which one did you go to? Stage Door Manor. The oh, Stage Door Manor. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> where I played deeply inappropriate roles. And uh, that's how it goes. Yes. 
they, it, they, you probably wouldn't play those roles now, but back then. Oh, you don't think I'd play Anita in West Side Story now? <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. You know what I would play now that I shouldn't have played then? Mazeppa in Gypsy. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was 15. Wow. Or Hanyak in Chicago. Oh, there. oh my gosh. <laughs> These are fun mm-hmm. roles. Yeah. There's a lot of underwear wearing. Oh, yeah. That which was a portent for like the certain kind of like first half of my career. <laughs> yeah. And then Queen, what did Queenie wear? Did, was she just in a blade, like a, a button down? No, she was in a dress. A dress, okay. And okay. then she was in a negligee and then she was in her underwear. There it is. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness. Well, you know, Elphaba always kept it very sensible. You know what? She had a, she, 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 she wore that party dress that was. <laughs> she wore the, just the frock. It was just the, yeah, frock, the frock that she You know, she's on. like showing a little arm. Oh, yes. It's the ja- the jacket comes off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, okay. That's what it is. I, I was trying to like go yeah. through the uh-huh. in my head. <laughs> it's been a minute, you guys. So you did Stage Door and you played up some mm-hmm. eclectic roles. <laughs> then you got your BFA yes. at Syracuse. And then what came next? My first big job in my brain after any of that was uh, at the Goodspeed Opera House. Neither an opera nor a house discuss. <laughs> um <laughs> In Connecticut, and I was third can-can dancer from the left in can-can. Wonderful. And understudied pistache, the lead. And I learned that I did not ever want to understudy mm-hmm. again <laughs> because it, it stressed me out. Yeah, yeah. It stressed me out. She was awesome, and she was an ox. Like, she smoked and drank. I was never drank. That's not a word. <laughs> smoked and drank. It sounded good. She was never going to miss. Okay. And I was totally on my gig. I was ready. I had it. And still, any day... I'm not good. When I wake up in the morning, I'd like to know what my evening's going to be. I'm not made of this. Some people are made of the stuff of like, you get a call at 11 a.m. or call at 4 p.m. or at half hour or mid show at Wicked. And they're like, hey, you're on. Mm -hmm. I'm not made of that. You're a Capricorn for sure. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I like plans. Yeah. So I worked at Goodspeed and did like random itsy bitsy things here and there and then one day I had an audition with an agent I was just freelancing with for this show called Snapshots that was all Stephen Schwartz music but put to a new book it was like I like to say it's like it was like Mamma Mia pre-Mamma Mia yeah and it was all put together by a guy I had gone to what stage door manor with of course which I'm sure is the only reason I had an audition it's not like I had any career or any casting director would have known who I was or anything and I went and I was just like, oh my gosh, please let Stephen Schwartz be there because I got my equity card doing Godspell mm-hmm. and because he wrote Pippin and, you know, yeah, yeah. and he was there. So that was really exciting. And I sang my audition song. And then he said, Stephen said to me, do you know metal art? And I was like, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody sings it. Yeah. You'd be a fool. And he turned to the music director who had just played keyboards for like Patti LuPone's concerts on Broadway that she had just done or something. So Stephen Schwartz turns to the music director and he goes, Andrew and Andrew Lippa gets up from the table and goes to the piano and plays with no music and plays the shit out of, can I curse? I just did out of Meadowlark. And he says that he went back to his desk and on his notepad, he wrote, who is she? Question mark, Queenie? Question mark. Because you've just begun writing the wild party. Oh my oh, god! Oh, the chill. I just, just got went the chills. Body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, so cool. Same day, I met those two incredibly influential in my life gentlemen. Oh yeah. The same day. Wow. That and I got incredible. that job. Oh, you did. Okay. But that job, yeah, I did. But that job didn't start for like three months or something. And in between, Lippa called me and he was like, "Do you remember me?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do." And he said, "Would you come and do this reading of this new show? It's only Act One that I'm just started writing. I played May. Oh, okay. Who was only a character in the poem at the time? She wasn't what she became. Yeah. So the only people that were in that show from the actual drop were me and Alex Corey, oh, who wow. played um." Madeline True, the lesbian love story. So no Brian Darcy James this uh, time. No, not then, no. Okay. I went through all many burrs, many wonderful, wonderful burrs, all so different. Wow. Um, I got lucky enough that Andrew wanted me to try Queenie. Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't think I can do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that raging confidence. And, um, <laughs> but he fought for me to get to do it at the O'Neill, which is where it was next workshopped. Okay. And um, so from that point on, I played Queenie. So Now, was there ever a world, because I remember hearing a story, or maybe I read it in a book, that there was a major photo shoot done for your your group 
of the wild party that it, and it was like, okay, well, they'd only be doing this if they're mounting an ad campaign for Broadway. Correct. And then it, it extended. It was at MTC. Ah, we were at Manhattan theater club. And, and then it just didn't, if I recall, I believe it was two days before we opened two or three days before we opened, we did this very fancy photo shoot with a very fancy photographer who like takes photos for Vogue like that. Okay. And, Annie Leibovitz. Of uh, her name is Ellen von Unworth. Look her up because oh, oh she's, okay. she's the stuff. And I remember uh, riding in a car with Brian actually to go downtown to take, to do the, the shoot. And even just the car, having a car sent for us, right. we're, and we had to share it, but still. Uh, right. And we were like, he turned to me and he goes, have you ever? I was like, no, have you? And he's like, no. <laughs> and that was the day where like me, Brian, and maybe Alex, the most kind of, mm, we'll see. Yeah. Day one, the plan was it's moving to Broadway. But mm-hmm. um, that was the day that we were all like, all right, clearly we're moving to Broadway. You're not mm-hmm. spending whatever it was, $50,000. I don't know what it costs, but a lot. for. An, I mean, there aren't even posters. They don't make posters for Manhattan Theater Club shows. I mean, they make posters, but they don't make them in bulk. Mm-hmm. And I have one on my wall, but like, not everybody can get them. And those, but those photos, if you can get a hold of a copy, a physical copy of the CD, there's a gorgeous mm-hmm. booklet attached. And all the photos in that booklet are from that photo shoot. So it lives on. It lives on. But, you know, it's sad because most things are digital now. Right. And I have no idea how, if, if, if the booklet has been made digital. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how that works. I know Broadway Records usually does that. I don't know. It depends what its uh, distributor was. Sony. You know, we, yeah. This was way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So those those photos do exist. Wow. Somewhere. And then the Times, the Times sort of put a stop to any move. Yeah, it was it was still back in the day when the Times really had mm-hmm. the, the say. You couldn't really float past them. Yeah. Was it was it Frank Rich or was it? No, it was Mr. Brantley? Ben Brantley. He's, okay, he was that was late Ooh, 90s, right? Or? He hated us. It was oh, 2000. My God. 2000. Okay. He hated us very much. He's been, I will say, he was nice, not, not nice to me then. He's been very nice to me ever since. Mm. And I remember some show I did where he said something complimentary in his review. And someone said to me, does that like make up for the wild party? It was like, no, he told me my baby's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad about it. Of course. Um, and it, but there was also like, they had to decide very quickly if we were going to move just because of the timing of to get in for Tony time and to get mm-hmm. built and to get into a theater. And we had a theater offer. I mean, we could have done it, wow. but, but there was another show also called the wild party already on. Pro- well, it was about just to, about right? to start yeah. previews and it was, it was so confusing and it was such a gamble. And if we had had the times review, maybe we would have done it. Mm. I understood why the producers decided not to understood it from a completely practical point of view. I had a moment where I thought if they had a star Mm. and not me, they could do it, but they never made me feel that way. Good. So I let go of that. Well, also because I mean, they had stars in the other one. That's kind of also where my brain was coming from. Was that Tony Collette? Uh It was was, I, Tony Collette and I were Queenie, Mandy Patinkin and Brian were Burr's. Yes. Uh, Yancey Arias and Tay Diggs were black. Tanya Pinkins and Adina Menzel were Kate. Okay. And then sort of all the other characters have different, it's not the same. The, the poem is right. short. They, They're like they the expanded char- on different yeah. things. The characters are named in the poem and that's kind of where it goes. And then mm-hmm. Michael John and Lippa just, you know, took off from there. Yeah. Um, As you're talking about this, I don't think about it often enough. And I suppose because I didn't live through the experience as you did. But how dare you, how, Connor? Go ahead. No, no, I mean, just like I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is stranger than fiction that these two different shows with the same source material were both running and created and happened to be released into the world right around the same time. Where is Ryan Murphy? I know. Do that one, Ryan yes. Murphy. It's like, you know, people always say like Smash was a ridiculous representation of the Broadway community. And then I think, well, this wild party scenario. This is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. ridiculous. And it happened because the poem, which was written in 1929, I believe, had a a re-release with these illustrations in it by um, a guy called Art Spiegelman, I think is his name. And he had done a he had done a comic book called Mouse M A U S. He's I think he's from Cleveland. Oh, for some is he? Reason. I don't know. I think, but so. he did this comic book that was about this mouse living through the Holocaust. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. And so he, as an artist, did 
the art that's in the newer uh, release of The Wild Party by Joseph Moncure March. So in, mm. I don't know, like 1995, maybe, you'd have to look up what year that came out. But it, that book was on the new and notable table at Barnes and Noble or wherever fine books are sold. And um, because back then people went to bookstores, you right. guys. I know this is foreign <laughs> to you, but this is what used to happen. Um, it's is a that strand, what, is right? That like that expression, don't judge a book by its cover. Yes, a book was a thing with pages. Mm. And the pages had to be bound in some manner so they wouldn't just fly everywhere and mm. become be made into paper airplanes. Now, paper airplanes uh, were something. You lost me. You lost uh, me. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but so at some point, both Andrew and Michael John just saw it. It was just kind of in a certain ether if you're a composer looking for inspiration. Yeah. And it's crazy. And because it was written in 1929, it was public domain. That was the key. If it hadn't been, if it wasn't public domain, you had to buy the rights and no one else is writing the musical. Mm -hmm. But because you couldn't buy the rights, everyone could write the musical. You too. Yeah. You know. We've been dancing around this whole time. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I want to be respectful of your day. But what was that experience like for you doing Wicked on the road? You know, I, I don't remember if we were talking about this before we hit record or not, but the idea that you were, you know, one of the first women to go bring Elphaba around the country is is wild. I mean, because now you look back, Wicked is one of the most popular Broadway musicals of all time. So iconic, recognizable. It is so in the zeitgeist. And at the time, it was so new. I don't know. I guess I'm not, it's not really a question, but what was that experience like in general? I mean, the part about touring with this newer show that was like the hot ticket was thrilling because the audiences were like predisposed to love it. And the, the actual houses that the show was in are all, they're very large, the touring houses. They're much larger right. than Broadway houses are. So we had easily twice the amount of people as you would have in a Broadway show watching this and like screaming, <laughs> like Mick Jagger is on stage. And they don't know who I am. They're not clapping for Julia. They're clapping for I'm at Wicked. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I'm trying to like think through the cities. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, because that one, the audiences were, oh, but the audiences were really, really great. They, oh, they, and then I realized they were all really great. <laughs> like, it just, there, there's no winner. But so that part was fantastic. The hard part is that you're moving every two weeks, mm. three weeks, you're traveling. You get to a new city. You're like, wait, where is the CVS? Where? Yeah. How, how do I? How do I live? I can always you know, speak for myself. They took as good care of me as could be taken, good. but it's still discombobulating. Mm -hmm. And I know, like years after I did it, because also I will include that another thing that did not exist then was Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And I know that one particularly very good friend of mine, who is a former Green Girl. Uh, she Airbnb'd her whole way through tour, basically. Wow. And in my brain, that sounds like a lot because then you're dealing with like groceries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh God, I, I, I hate to waste milk. Right. If I don't finish that milk by the time we leave or mm -hmm. whatever. But I just stayed in, in hotels. And there was a lot of sitting in my hotel room. Mm -hmm. it's, it's lonely. I mean, and for all of my care, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't party. I rarely went out. If it was someone's birthday, I would try and go to like the bar where everyone was going to hang out for that person's yeah. birthday because I wanted to honor them. But like there was only so late I could stay and I still got super sick and had a really hard time. And that was a whole introduction into the world of, I'd never been in something with such a, a fandom attached to right. it. Um, like pre-attached to like I did wild party from the start, even Lennon, like, yeah, yes, people love John Lennon and the few people who loved the show came over and over again, but we didn't run very long. So, right. you know, it didn't have the chance to become this, but with wicked, uh, I mean, I remember being in, I want to say it was Milwaukee. No, I didn't do the show in Milwaukee. That's a lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Minneapolis. There you go. That's what I meant. Ma, ma, ma. And I missed a show as I often did. And that was another, that was really hard. Like I had missed one show in my life. Yeah. And then I did Wicked. Oof. And it, it was, it was so depressing 
to miss. And so there were plenty of shows that I did that I shouldn't have. Yeah. For my own health, but also, good God, you finish The Wizard and I, and you want to look at the audience and be like, so do you put your money back in cash? How do we want to do it? PayPal. Like, like, my apologies. <laughs> we didn't have PayPal then, Dylan. Julia's about to take off her headphones and leave. <laughs> Julia, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, <laughs> it's interesting that we're talking about your experience as Elphaba. In in real mm-hmm. in a, this is a, this isn't too big of a stretch. I hope you're on the on this journey with me. The Olympics are currently happening, oh, and baby. we're talking about Simone Biles, oh, baby. who is prioritizing her own mental health mm-hmm. and pulling out of most of her events. Mm-hmm. And there was a tweet going around, you know, oh, maybe you saw it. That was like, what <laughs> it feels like an Olympic event that isn't. And someone wrote like playing alphabet. Oh, really? I did not yes. see that. <laughs> I'm thinking about that because. Here you are, you are a hard worker. You're, you have this, the weight of the show on your shoulders. You're going from city to city every two weeks and you get sick and you still feel like you have to perform. And I'm thinking about the pressure we put on these performers, athletes. Well, and to that end, you know? and this is certainly nowhere near, <laughs> not even a scintilla of what Simone Biles has, has just gone through. But like when I was in Minneapolis, I missed a show. And then a couple of days later, or no, I guess the next night when I went back into the show, there was a note from someone, from a girl who had driven with her best friend from, I don't know, Wisconsin, somewhere not where we were. And they were so disappointed to miss me. And this was actually a kind letter. Like, we hope that you feel better and blah, blah, blah. But I also got letters like, well, it was so disappointing to miss you. And I wish that you, like, as if I'm doing it on purpose, but it was more the Mm. thought, because the letter was kind, it was more the thought of, oh my God, I let her down. And that's the part about Simone Biles that I like right, will yeah. relate back to Simone Biles that like that feeling of, I didn't mean to, I, I would like to. And would she have been, I mean, perhaps, yes, it, this is an unanswerable question, but like, would she have been as kind had I done mm. the show and just yeah. croaked my <laughs> way through it? Or would mm-hmm. she have been like, yeah, she wasn't that good. You know, would I suddenly have become the other thing as opposed to Simone Biles is the greatest. I'm not comparing myself to Simone Biles. Let's be utterly clear. (laughs) But uh, Simone Biles, she's the greatest of all time. Oh, she's not going to compete. Oh, well, she should do that. She should do that for her country or her teammates or or, you know, whatever. And do you guys watch the Olympics? (laughs) I become an Olympics fanatic. All right. I'm Olympics freakazoid. I usually have it on my television. <laughs> I'm toggling between four different channels that are all showing it. And I also have feeds on my computer. Oh my I gosh, love you. Oh my God. Every day I've gone to the winter Olympics. Yes. But anyway, so do you know the outcome of today? I don't yet. Okay. I don't want to ruin it for you. I, I love the idea of you breaking news to me on a on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Simone Biles won the bronze. Oh, amazing. oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have the chills right now. On the balance beam. And I'm, I don't know her, obviously. I don't know. But my guess is that she's freaking thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't have cared if she didn't get a medal at all. Mm-hmm. She needed to get back up in front of for herself to finish her career in a manner of like, that girl's no quitter. Right. I'm not a quitter. Mm-mm. I could not do the show. Mm-hmm. I had the wicked twisties. And I, I just... When I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. And I, every time I called out, I was sad about it. Yeah. I was never, I never took it lightly. I was never like, you know what I'm calling out, screw it. Yeah. Like, and it was, it's hard. It's really hard. And every once in a while, there'll be a woman who comes along who ruins it for everyone else because for some reason their voice can just handle it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then the powers that be are like, well, she did it. And you're like, she's some kind of freaky beast. Look at the numbers. The majority of us cannot. But it also doesn't make those women any better or worse than those of us who couldn't. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like I said, I took such good care of myself. Oh, yeah. Hearing what you were saying earlier about how you wake up in the morning and you're like, I love to know how my day is going to end, all this stuff. I can imagine the anxiety around being sick, being on tour, and not every day waking up thinking, am I going to be able to do this show today? Oh, You can ask anyone, anyone who plays any part, frankly, anyone who's in a show, period. You open your eyes and the first thing you do is you go, ah, Hmm. just to see what you've got. And if at 8.30, 9.00, 11. I don't know your life. I don't know when you wake up. 
But if you wake up and you go, ha, ha, and you hear that catch, it's a jump for Jesus mm. until half hour. Oh. It is, I'm now about to like imbibe all kinds of like lotions and potions and tinctures <laughs> and gargle with nonsense I would never put in my body otherwise <laughs> or whatever in the hopes that I can get to eight o'clock and produce the sound I need to produce. Or two o'clock if it's a two show day. Or two yeah. o'clock or, or one o'clock on Sunday matinees on tour. No. And I'll tell you what, that one o'clock feels like 10. Oh, I can imagine. It's only the difference of an hour, but woof. Considering you don't get home till maybe midnight, maybe after yeah, the night before. I believe that all matinees should be at three and all evenings should be at seven. I love that. I love this. They feel delightful because, and I'm also one of those people, like when I did um, uh, Gypsy a couple yes. years ago, there was one Saturday where our turnaround between matinee to evening, because it was on Cape Cod and like they try and make the matinee later because people are at the beach. Mm-hmm. And so our turnaround was very short and I was playing Rose. Right. I had a bit to do. And the thought of it, I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, what's that going to be? But in the actuality of it, I was like, yeah, let's just do this because I'm already warm. Mm -hmm. If there's too much time, everything just kind of, it's like, oh great, are we done? Boom. Yeah. And then you're like, "Uh uh-oh, no, no, we have to do it again. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, I I found out very quickly, I could not do physical therapy of any kind on a a two-show day. Mm. Be- even like my hands got really crampy because I was doing like witchy hands right? and I couldn't even have my hands worked on because the relaxation made my voice drop into the basement oh. and it did not want to come back. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. It was weird. Oh my God. Well, I will say Julia, you know, it seems like, you know, you did persevere through the whole process and I, I speak, I'm going to do this. I'm going to speak for the wicked fan community. When I say you are one of the most beloved figures in the community, let alone Elphaba's, because, I mean, I remember Connor and I, even though we missed seeing you in Cleveland, when you went to Broadway, we wrote you letters to tell you just how much we adored you from afar. And you had left the show at that point, yet you still went to the Gershwin and picked up mail. And you sent us back these gorgeous headshots. And you were like, sorry, I haven't been by the theater in a while, but thank you so much for your kind work. Like you were just, you have always been this pillar. That's why I called you a Broadway socialite earlier, because I think that everyone looks to you as as sensible and kind and strong. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I want to be clear mm-hmm. for all, any of the like PTSD and all that. That's all real. And I'm not going to not talk about it or not acknowledge it, but it also is wonderful. Like I have- yeah the most extraordinary friends from that experience. I have the experience from that experience. I, I have, you know, long ago, I, I had to basically take <laughs> defying gravity out to lunch and say, okay, <laughs> we need to be friends because apparently I'm going to have to sing oh, for the you rest of your life. <laughs> everywhere, including Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And because um, nobody <laughs> cares about the wild party. We don't know about the wild party. Mm-hmm. Except in really subsetty situations. They care about Wicked. Uh, of course. You know, they care about Wicked. And bottom line, you know, it's mm-hmm. written by a man and a woman, Winnie, who I I would do anything for. Like his his kindness to me over the many years, even prior to knowing him prior to Wicked, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's a he was a big deal then <laughs> to me. You know, he was already the man who wrote, like I said, Godspell and Pippin yeah. and, you know, like, and Hunchback and Pocahontas, like he was already that. And so that I got to be a part of that, oh, I will forever be grateful. For I love it. it. Thank you. So, Thank you for yeah. always. Yeah. Thanks for being so down to talk about all those things too. That was, that was great. Yes. Okay. So we are sadly wrapping up, but before we say goodbye, we like to end on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners with. Like maybe it's a recommendation of something to watch, check out, read, rant about, rave about, anything at all. And I'm going to kick it off today because it's in spite. I thought of this while we were talking and I didn't get a chance to say it. I need to point everyone in the direction of a Twitter account called Liza Minnelli has outlived. And basically this <laughs> Twitter sends out a tweet Anytime Liza has outlived something and it, it, it's not really celebrity deaths. It's more oh so God. like fads that have passed by people who have been canceled, you know, all these different <laughs> things. Like it'll be like Liza has outlived the Trump presidency or it is so iconic. And it's a positive part of Twitter oh that God. I need to just direct everyone towards because the living legend Liza Minnelli is still out there and she's outliving some pretty wild things. So 
Gotta follow. That is amazing. Oh, you love hysterical. I, mean, I, I have to say my, my current, but even by next week, it will be no more, is the Olympics. Yes. And the thing that I love about the Olympics is, yes, I love the marquee events. Mm-hmm. I love the gymnastics. I love the swimming. I love the track and field. But even inside track and field, there's the running. Mm-hmm. That's the one that gets like the attention, really. But for goodness sake, go watch the shot put. Go watch the hammer throw. Go watch people who will never be on a cereal box, Mm -hmm. but they are still operating at the peak of what they are capable of doing. The other day I was watching, I don't, I think it was like the women's 800 meter run and uh, the one, and it was a semifinal and the woman who uh, I think she was from Colombia came across dead last. And it was only like top four finishers can move to the finals. Mm. So she had no chance at all in running for an actual medal. And she came across the finish line and because they were in a wide shot, I happened to see this because there's no one in the stands. They all know where their coaches Mm -hmm. are very easily. And you could tell she looked right over to her coach and she threw her arms in the air and she was like, yeah, because she did an Olympic run. Mm -hmm. I don't know her life. I don't know her name. I don't, but all I know is that like, she did the thing. I -hmm. think that's so, I can't do that. Can you? (laughs) No, you cannot. Now, (laughs) yes. Can, can you play Alphaba? No. Did I? Sometimes. Uh, But, you know, uh, so we can play that game all we want, but like I, I do, I look at the Olympics and I, I absolutely love the, the non-marquee events just to see people have, who have worked incredibly hard. And that's why I find Simone Biles also so incredibly inspiring because if she had never come back to gymnastics, she'd already achieved every single thing you can possibly achieve as a gymnast from Olympic all around to world champ to uh, all that stuff. She'd already done it. So, and yes, the drama of watching her kind of in front of us realize the the twisties were happening and she, Mm -hmm. But you know what you never saw? She didn't crumple into tears. Mm-hmm. She, she stayed. She stayed to cheer her she girls freaking on. freaking stayed and cheered those women on and then attended every individual event that she was supposed to be competing in. Yep. And again, I don't know her and I can't, I can only guess at what her, her mental steps back to the beam were. Mm-hmm. But if I could have had a, like a click your heels and just be well and just do it, it would have been fun to go back into Wicked for like a hot second, just because I felt like the bear had wrestled me to the ground by the time I mm. left, honestly. I could still act it. I could still give you story. Yeah. <laughs> but vocally, it had wrestled me to the ground. And I would have loved a chance to re-wrestle that bear, even though that would not have been wise. But I, I, the Olympics move me very deeply. Your dream is not guaranteed. You can still have it. Right. But that's why that woman who ran across that finish line and threw her arms in the air with such glee and joy, I'm like, that's it. Because she still enjoys the fact that she did it. But as best you can, and I have to relearn this constantly, I'm not saying I'm speaking from some like, and here's where I sit, but like, (laughs) figure out how to enjoy the ride. Otherwise, how you're going to get wildly bitter and gross. I, I try not to be bitter and gross. I get scared. I get like, uh oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Do I have a life and a career? That happens all the time. (laughs) What time is it? And I promise, like whoever your favorites are in this business, I promise you they've had that moment. Oh, yeah. Just No one thinks about that. Mm -hmm. You think I'm a Broadway socialite. God bless and thank you. (laughs) But I don't know, you know, but like if, if we could all operate a little more with the glee of that woman crossing that that finish line with like, I did that. I tried it and I did it. So much good stuff there, Julia. You're so wise. I love it. No, it's. Oh, well, I'm a Broadway socialist. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, Dylan, really quick dose of drama before we go. Yes. I was thinking about this during it when you mentioned your parents' house, because I was, I'm going to recommend a podcast and Julia made a guest starring appearance in the second season of Mike Kelton's beyond podcast, where she discussed this, elusive doorman character who Mike Kelton is, he's a writer, he's a comedian, he's an actor. He, um, 
went on a journey to find this man who played an influential role in his life. And it's sort of like a um, spiritual, but also mysterious journey. And, Julia, and it's all true. It's all true. It's what he lived. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's Julia, really when you appeared, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> well, honestly, when he contacted me, I mean, this is no shade, but like, usually if I am contacted by someone who's doing a podcast, they want to talk about the wild party at Wicked. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Generally what they want to talk about. But he was like, so you're old doorman, Pat. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I did not expect I've got to listen. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and you you appear throughout. Oh, I didn't even realize you, you, that. Do I? Oh. I think it's like, you might've had like one chat, but yeah. he kind of cut it up, that I think, sense, and yeah. like peppered it throughout. Um, but anyways, everyone oh, cool. listen for more Julia, because you, you, you're you iconic in all things you do. And he Mike is so fun. And it's a great podcast. It's on the Forever Talk Network. Listen, Julia, you are an icon to us to Broadway, you're a socialite and a star. <laughs> and this has been so much fun. I feel rejuvenated in doing this podcast again. We're about to hit a hundred episodes. <gasps> you are, and, you guys. Yeah. And so um, this just reminds me why I love to do this because I get to chat with people who I have looked up to for so long. And Julia, you did not disappoint. I think that our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been so nice. Oh, yay. I've loved getting to chat with you. Yes, Dylan, give the socials. Julia isn't on there as much anymore, but if you want to check out her Twitter, she's just at Julia Murney. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, for pictures of, you know, locations, travel, maybe a dog, Peppa Mama, P-E-P-A-M-A-M-A. Mm-hmm. Is where you'll find that her on correct. Instagram. And I'll I'll give you I'll give you a break in news. 54 below January 2nd and 3rd. Breaking news. Breaking news. Literally. Oh well, literally no one knows that. I need to make sure I'm there because it's been a while since you've done a solo gig. Yeah, though. I don't do them very often. Oh my God. They yeah. stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> you have time to prepare. You have time to prepare. Yeah. So January 2nd, 3rd. 7 o'clock? 9.45? Uh, I believe it's the 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock? All right. 9.45 great. is a little, little late for grandma. <laughs> you did say you, you want everything to be, what is it? 3 yeah. o'clock and 3 seven? o'clock and 7 o'clock. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we're getting a seven. Oh my God. Well, everyone will, of course, if whenever the tickets go on sale for that, we're going to promote that on our social medias, which is at the drama podcast. Everyone should already be following us. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Julia, we worship you forever. Thank you for doing this. I worship you right back. (laughs) All right, Connor. I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.